0: Hi, I'm Monique and I beat the often path because I quit my job as a venture capitalist to start a social enterprise, helping families around the world to build meaningful connections with young children at a distance.
1: Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast. I'm your host, Ross Palmer. What if you could create meaningful memories with loved ones around the globe? My guest today created Peekabond, a new app that makes it easier to not just connect remotely, but, you know, actually bond. She left a lucrative role as a VC to follow her own passion and build her own company in a space that she believed in. She created a kid-friendly platform with science-based activities, ethical games, and a bank to store all of the memories made. Their goal is to make 80 million memories in the next couple years. Many of us have gone years without being able to see loved ones like grandparents, aunts, cousins, you name it, and many of our kids have never met their grandparents. Well, this app is a way for people to create and store meaningful memories instead of just jamming YouTube kids in front of your children and letting the algorithm raise them. Who's done that? You? No? Just me? It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Uh, what is the problem with kids? Why do they always need to be entertained? Let's just start there. That's a very troubling Why part do of children.
0: children... they can't why can't they just keep themselves occupied right Right. why can't you just
1: (laughs) set them in a corner and just fence them off and then you're just done with it i don't understand
0: i mean it takes too much effort to do something with them who's got that kind of time Yeah, it is hard it is very hard and a lot of people also sort of forget uh how what it was like to be a child and um be playful so a lot of people actually need help in in that um and that's also the reason why i founded uh my company so I, i found out myself the hard way how hard it is to engage with young children uh in a meaningful way when you're not physically in the same room i mean uh when you're in the same room at least you can pick up a toy together and and play but how do you do that when you're um, thousands of miles apart, sometimes also separated by time zone and um, and a screen in between, right? A lot of people sort of panic as soon as there's a camera on their face and it feels really strange to be playful when you're um, at a distance. So yeah, we, we want to help those families uh, with the right inspiration and the right tools. And uh, yeah, that's that's why I'm here.
1: Yep, yeah, well that makes sense. You know, even when you're in the same room though, it's not much better because what I usually do is I just have my computer, I'm just working, my kid is over in the corner, I completely ignore her, I tune her out. If she cries the first time, I do nothing. If she cries the second time, I do nothing. If she cries the fifth time, I say, "Fine, here's some water. Go away." Um that's what I consider to be bonding with my child, so I don't know how it could be much better, you know, in person than with a screen to begin with.
0: Mm, but yeah great parenting tactics indeed. <laughs> yes. Okay. I just wanted
1: some validation. It's, yeah. it's important for me to get yeah. the external validation on my parenting techniques because I know that I'm doing a good job, but it's it's good to hear it from you. Um, but That's alright. Things...
0: I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts as well in the past, and I know that sarcasm is like your, your opener, so,
1: all right. so that's see, okay. People are getting wise. That's you. the <laughs> thing. In the early days, nobody knew, but now people are getting hip to that idea, and in the beginning, people are just like, oh, I made a terrible mistake coming on this show
0: what was I thinking
1: (laughs) Um, but now people are smarter and they're catching up with me so I've got to reevaluate my strategy but in all seriousness though we've come Mm -hmm. out of a pandemic we've had the zoom era and I think kids from all ages have been hit the most hard by that and when I think of kids I don't just think of young kids I think of middle schoolers high schoolers their entire world at a very important age became digital and that's awful. The idea of going through four years of high school remotely is terrifying. Aww. It's just sad. It's not terrifying. It's just sad. The uh-huh. idea of those formative social years just not happening. And, and you feel that with the generation of kids who are coming up in this. So on the one hand, I look at technology like yours and I think, okay, this is a really positive thing. On the other hand, Aww. I think how much are we leaning into this digital world In general, is this just here to stay forever? Are we always going to be communicating like you and I are now remotely from thousands of miles away? So how do you feel about the trend? And did you start this idea before all of that happened or because it all happened?
0: Both, yeah. I had the idea in my mind for a little while. So my youngest, uh, my niece, who I actually started this company for in Australia, is now a little over three years old. So it was before the pandemic hit that she was born and that I sort of had this super urge to help families because this was my own situation. And then the pandemic hit, which sort of accelerated that uh, pressure because I thought this is not just relevant now uh, in the pandemic but also outside uh, of it because people are disconnected more and more and sometimes because they are expert families but even when you're sometimes in the same city it can be hard to um, yeah be in frequent touch with um, with your, your loved ones and I think ultimately what will be remembered is your presence in the lives of the loved ones that you have and um, it's easy to it's easy not to be present because everyone is so busy these days. Um, and I think that is a very um, exciting sort of tension that you just touched upon um, because a lot of parents, they don't want screens for their kids and they're already like, yeah, they're already on YouTube and Disney or whatever they're watching. So I don't want them with any screens, period. And uh, I get that. Um, I think... Um, it's also important for children to play outside to work with with their hands creatively to socialize in person of course but um, does that mean that if you're a grandparent who has grandchildren abroad that you're just you know not in touch with them that you just accept that um, life is just the way it is I, I, I just couldn't deal with that. So I, I wanted to make a difference and I wanted to change the status quo. Also, because I know how important it is to sometimes have people in your life who really make a difference in your life. Um, for me as a child, that that was the case. I had a few people who are really influential. And I think um, if you don't have that, it's also easy to... to take the wrong path to sort of stay in the analog of the, um, the name of this podcast. Bravo, um, bravo. We love the <laughs> shameless plug. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think it's very important to have the right people influencing your children and not just a random influencer, but actually someone who really deeply cares about them and who will always be there for them. That constant in in this dynamic world is really important.
1: And we've been tried to get sold this concept. I mean, obviously, meta and these Facebook frames and virtual frame. There have been many different ways that have been sold on this concept down to avatars and this virtual metaverse that's trying to be built. But I think as hard as it is for kids, it's just as hard for parents because it's no secret we're going through maybe another recession. economy is tough. Times are tough. Hmm. A lot of parents and adults are just struggling, period, trying to survive whether they're working uh-huh. for somebody else and they're worried about getting fired. We're talking about tens of thousands of layoffs. So I think a lot of parents have this ideal of what they would like to do for their kids, which would be zero screen time whatsoever, but they can't live up to that ideal because they are themselves so busy and so stressed. I would like uh-huh. if my daughter had less screen time for sure, but I'm trying to build a business and it's been an incredibly challenging time. And so it's, it's tough. And certainly during the pandemic, it's definitely better now. It was very hard to not rely on something like an ipad or zoom to help get through mm. those moments otherwise i just couldn't do what i needed to do not that i'm proud of it but i think a lot of people are in that same boat so whether mm. we want it or not we, we kind of need it i think um definitely
0: and yeah I, and it's also, better than yeah, go ahead. to sorry yeah i think in that sense you need it and uh, then, if you have a choice as a parent, and you can give, let's let's say, YouTube Kids to your children to watch like random videos, and which you don't just know what, garbage, which is
1: garbage, by the way, for people yeah, who exactly. don't have kids. YouTube Kids <laughs> is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen, ever, yeah, in my entire life. And they'll just watch it endlessly if you let them forever.
0: Exactly. Or do you want them to? see the faces of the people they love and who are also teaching them relevant things, which we prompt in the app. So they're also learning stuff. They're learning something um, about their family members. And uh, yeah, they're developing social emotional skills. So I think, um, yeah, for me, that's why I'm doing this.
1: You know, sometimes with technology, we use it in one way and then out of necessity, we find ourselves using it in another way. So everybody was using Zoom for work. I grew up, I mean, it's been many years since we've had Skype and we've had video calling. So even the people of my generation, millennials and younger, they've had video calls for many, many years in some form or another. But something that opened up for us during the pandemic that I never considered, it was always a one way video call from me to you, just like we're doing right now. But we have a family, two good friends of my wife and mine who live a few states over and they also have a daughter And I don't even remember how this happened, but one day, out of the blue, we had three different devices. Two families, two locations, three different devices in each location. So mom was on a video call with mom in one room. Dad was on a video call with dad in another room. And the two kids had two iPads video calling each other just set in their playrooms, each sort of playing with toys and showing each other toys. So all of the family is kind of connecting in a strange way in different rooms at the same time. That's the kind of thing Uh that I think I never would have considered. And it worked surprisingly well. The kids were actually surprisingly well entertained by that. Have you experienced something similar? Like, when did you get the idea that, oh, maybe kids could be entertained in a better way? And also, what is Zoom missing that, your solution provides
0: yeah that's a great question and i think we're we're, we're sort of building it uh, as we go so we're finding out new insights along the way i think um one-on-one contact is indeed something that is sometimes more engaging than sitting with five people on a Zoom call on the one end and then with five on the other side. So uh, it tends to be a bit messy that way. And especially children, they just move in and out of the screen and they're not really part of the conversation. The the adults sort of take over the conversation. So one of the things that I indeed found out is that um actually like scheduling play dates with my uh, sister's daughter um, really helps. And even if my sister is not in the room, so actually she gets some time as well back in her day uh, whilst I'm sort of playing with her um and also sending like really those videos through our app because our app is currently focused on asynchronous video messaging uh then she can uh watch those videos when she's in the right mood for it and she knows that those videos i really created specially for her um and i think that sort of uh gives her yeah i think unconsciously maybe because she's maybe too young to realize it now but a lot of um yeah confidence and and just feeling that you know someone is here and someone loves you and someone puts their attention and their their positive energy in something, and they went sort of out of their way to send you something. So I think that's um, that's one way. and now of course, the other side is that the child also does it uh, back to the family member at a distance. Uh, which is uh, super important, right? That it's two, a two-way street because actually I think for children it can also give a lot of purpose if they send something to uh, family members. Like I'm sure that uh, a lot of the children in our app can totally make grandma's day if grandma just gets one video uh, no you know, about in the that. morning or something. So no uh, I think, and, and children children just and really enjoy that as well. So uh, yeah, I think... Uh, that's that's another insight that that we had um yeah i don't know if that answers your question
1: it it does talk to me about some of the activities because a part of it is that there are activities there are games how does that work
0: yeah so far it's been super simple because yeah i don't know if you've heard of the startup term minimum viable product but Mm -hmm. obviously like we're building something really easy and then building on top of that so we have a, yeah. a bigger vision of making like interactive games and stuff like that but for now it's just a super simple prompt uh, and it can be anything uh, ranging for children from zero up to six years old and for the younger ones we for example prompts it can even be for like a, a five month old baby to uh, play a peekaboo yeah. and uh, to just show your face because they then recognize your face, they recognize your voice and they learn about object permanence and when they grow older you can uh, play with a sock puppet or play with um you know a, r- a random item in your room and share a story about your family um i think ultimately it seems insignificant because it's some people are like okay but this is like a really small thing like how does it make a difference i think it it, it might be on the on the short term but i think on the long term those moments add up to memories and into bonds. And if, if people don't yeah, do those smaller things, then on the longer term, they will not have those bonds with their little loved ones, I think. And it's just... Uh, such a huge loss. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, how I see it. And um, yeah, the prompts we try to innovate them. So we we put new riddle, riddles in there this week, for example. And it can be some like a, just a funny riddle for a grandparent to show to send to their grandchild, and then the grandchild has to solve it, or it just. Putting a smile on their face it, it can be as simple as that it doesn't have to be like a super complex game so um no. yeah that's uh just to give it's an idea a,
1: yeah it's a great concept and of course many kids such as my own were born and raised during the pandemic so there are many loved ones that many people weren't able to see for years at least grandmas grandpas cousins uncles you name it so of course the the need is there i want to talk about You mentioned in the very beginning that you took an opposite path, which is always interesting to me of what people expect coming from VC to this. So what were you doing Mm -hmm. before and what made you decide to switch into this?
0: So before um, I became a founder, I was uh, indeed like working for about eight years as a venture capital investor. And what that work entails is basically... Um, all day long you get uh, founders like me now to yeah. you, uh, pitch to you because pitch, they, pitch, yeah. they need money right so um, I would review I guess on an annual basis over 300 pitch decks um, I would have to select maybe the 30 ones that I would have uh, meetings with or deep dives with and then out of those 31s maybe i would do three investments per year and that was uh, not not just with my own money right it was with the money of a fund and uh, next to doing new investments you would also when you become a bit more senior you would also manage portfolio companies ultimately also uh, leading up to hopefully an exit, right? You, you, As an investor, your whole idea is that you buy shares in companies and then you sell them for a higher value. So that's basically what investors do. And after eight years of doing that, I sort of knew all there is to know about it, I felt. Uh, the only step that I didn't uh, make yet was become a partner at a fund. And the way part, uh, funds are set up is that you sort of commit for at least, well, most of them, 10 years, so it can be longer. Some are shorter, but most are longer. Um, And that was sort of like the route that I had uh, thought I I wanted. But there was like a voice in my head that just kept sort of nagging that I wanted an adventure. And I felt my uh, learning curve was really flattening. Um, I felt a bit like, is this really what I want? And um, then I started actually with a a coach education first uh, with the idea to sort of have a different position within the fund and and everything. And in the end, I was like, "Mm, I don't I don't think this is where I need to be. Uh, So I decided I wanted to have a sabbatical with my my partner and uh, we were supposed to travel to South America uh, and uh, just just, you know, Get, get out of here. And then the pandemic sure. hit. So the whole trip to South America yes. didn't go through. <laughs> so we're like, oh, bummed, you know, sitting in rainy Netherlands and just being bummed about that the adventure didn't go through. And then I was like, well, but Hey, you know, there's a bunch of other adventures that you can also do. And then sort of this really great idea of Pika Bond started sort of burning, uh, from inside as, as something that I really wanted to solve. And, uh, I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I quit my job and I went for it and I never looked back. So um, it's uh, it's been uh, an interesting ride because, like I said, a lot of people, when they are a founder, they exit their company and then they maybe start their own fund or something. So they have what they say, operator experience before they start in the fund. And yeah being a VC is just a way more comfortable position, right? You have the money and people basically just come back for it. And of course, deals can be stressful, but at least you get a paycheck. And you know that if the fund is uh, raised, right, that for the next 10 years, basically you have a job. So it's quite, um, yeah, I would say comfortable. Uh, and uh, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to get the max out of all my skills and potential and, um, I have to tell you, like it, it's way harder than I thought it would be to be a founder, um, yeah. but it's also way more rewarding, really feels like I'm doing something purposeful in the world and um, when I sort of, uh, you know, this sounds a bit deep, but if I would uh, like die, then at least that's I have tried, for. right? Hey,
1: that's <laughs> so, the kind of stuff uh, that I live for right there, yes. That's what the show is yeah. all about. So,
0: uh, and I think if I wouldn't have, have done it, that I would, it would have always nagged and it would have always sort of hunted me. Um, yeah, but what if, you know, so I, I would encourage anyone listening to this podcast if that's you, um, yeah, just do it. If that's what your, your nagging voice in your head keeps telling you, it's never going to stop. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, we've seen it. We've seen it from many people in many ways. Leaving a comfortable job, leaving a stable job, leaving a good job. It's a story that we've heard on the show many, many times. And I don't seek it out for those who wonder. That's not a prerequisite for being on this show. It's just a trend that honestly happens. When I find out the backstory yeah. of people who've done interesting things, it's it's often something like that, which is just fascinating to me. And they often say the same thing, which is they don't regret it. So speaking uh-huh. of trends. What you just said was basically that of 300 pitches. You said 10%, 1 in 10 gets a deep dive meeting. 1 in 100 Mm -hmm. gets funded from the fund Mm -hmm. that you were in. Yeah. So what are some of the hallmarks in your experience for eight years of a company that makes it to that final round? What are some of the things that would have helped you on the other side of the table send a company through and say, oh, yeah, this this is one that I want to invest in?
0: Hmm yeah I think um if you're really looking at it from that perspective of of getting the investment, but that's actually when the road starts right so <laughs> you have to think that uh, after hook. that investment that that then uh, then you still have to actually make the company work and then get to an exit so I think um I've actually experienced um for some companies the whole thing from A to Z so that's pretty cool to also have experienced a few exits and also a few bankruptcies and also uh, a few sort of mm, uh, companies that sort of meh you know like they they made something of it but it's not like the hit it out of the park kind of thing. Um, But yeah, typically any investor, they would just say it all comes down to people. And at the earlier stage, the the more important that is. So you can, of course, look at numbers, um, at business model and How big is the the market and everything? But those are also very much correlated to the team. Like the team will be smart enough to know which markets and the numbers are are um, good, right? So, I think one of the most impressive founders I had the opportunity to invest in in my latest. position was the, actually two two female founders of a company called oleo and hey, i interviewed uh, her sasha celestial one yes yeah, sasha she's indeed, been on the like, show she's awesome yeah what she's an really inspirational
1: great. person okay
0: and tessa they're both really yeah. like the first time i i met them i already knew that i wanted to invest in them because I they understand. just have such an amazing presence and yeah such an amazing story as well they're really really the best storytellers I think I've come across um, and um, yeah so that was definitely one of them um, what that's else awesome. yeah I think momentum is obviously something that's just you know so important I I'm, I live now in Portugal and I, I, I sometimes look at the surface here I'm not a surfer myself yet but I aspire to be but it's all about catching the right wave and the momentum, and also, you know, being in the water, may, maybe by yourself, and not with twenty other surfers who are sort of blocking your nice wave to catch. You know, so um, I metaphor. was, I was looking at, I was looking at the water the other day, and I was really thinking about that. It's like, oh, well, it's really about catching the right wave, and sometimes that's about luck, and that sometimes it's also about a bit of experience, like really learning to read the waves and catching them in the right time. And yeah, I think the real entrepreneurs, they, they just, they just see stuff uh, before others see it happen. And they know that they're in the water and they're in the right position. So when the wave comes, they sort of hit it and then they, they go. Right. So, um, that's definitely, uh, some, an interesting insight that I've gathered over the years. Um, Yeah. I don't know what what kind of hallmarks would you be looking for. Like, obviously, there's been some exits that I thought that that's sort of like the cherry on the pie uh, kind of thing. But it's not really about that, to be honest. It's more yeah. the people for me that have mattered.
1: Yep. Well, yeah. that's very good insight. And one thing that I've, well, there's a couple things that we could jump in on there. I love the wave metaphor. Because I also wonder whether one can create a wave or simply ride a wave. That's a question that I've Mm. had in my life. whether Because, you know, again, you want to get philosophical if you read, even going back to Plato and Socrates. Socrates said that uh, there's a certain kind of people who just reflect what the public wants and they'll be the sophists or the popular ones. But the true philosopher does what is right, regardless of whether it's popular. And per definition, they're rarely popular. Because they do what is right and most they live in a way that most people don't approve of. So sometimes yeah. I see that reflected. And I, and I think that the true entrepreneur in the spirit of just plain entrepreneurship is the one who reads the world, identifies trends, and reflects back to the world what it wants. If you want more casinos, I'll give you a casino. You want to smoke cigarettes, I'll give you cigarettes. Because I'm just giving you what you want. I'm a real entrepreneur. <laughs> course i'm not personally interested in that i'm interested in this thing called social entrepreneurship whatever that is where it's like i don't want to do something just because it's a wave that exists Mm. i want to be somehow creating a wave that others may ride and maybe that's a fool's errand and maybe that's a stupid thing to do but of course to me that's sort of what i believe in and look at look at my exponential growth so clearly it's worked (laughs) out for me so far yeah (laughs) What do you think
0: about that? I love it. I love actually, um, yeah, I've I've heard founders sort of say, like, create waves, create waves, you know. Um, And I think, again, to your point, uh, Sasha uh, Sasha and Tessa from Olio have really been able to sort of create the wave, I think, of a movement almost, which is almost like an activist way of... Positioning your company in the like no food waste um, movement, so to say. So, um, yeah, I I totally agree with you that yes, one is indeed like looking at the waves, and the other one is maybe just you know um, just making your own waves. Really hard <laughs> and-
1: and meanwhile, the world is like, dude, you're a monkey. You cannot make a wave. We make waves. You are nothing. No matter how hard you flap your arms, nothing's going to happen. That's me. I'm the person by themselves flapping their arms against the wave, uh, mm-hmm. which is rewarding. But um, but OK, so you were on the VC. You you plateaued, you saw, which, of course, is easy to understand. And you've seen this. So having been on the other side of the table offering that carrot, if you will, of funding to others, mm-hmm. Do you feel differently about having outside funding for your business now? Is that something that you want? Because I still hear some founders say, oh, you should never take on funding under any circumstances because you lose control. And it's just a matter of time before you're kicked out of your own company if you do that. How do you feel Hmm. now that you're on this side of the
0: table? I... I get that as well, that founders say that, because some have really been royally screwed, uh, pardon my uh, French, Mm -hmm. but um, I think um, it really depends on the investors as well, right? There's like a spectrum of them out there and you have your investors who are indeed like out for maximum profit and maximum, you know, uh, IRR, or, you know, they want more than a 30x on their investment and are really in it for that. And you have the ones that are also a bit more impact driven and people oriented people, really. Um, So yeah, it's really a matter of doing the right due diligence, like with anything in your life, right? Also when you're entering a relationship or when you're making new friends or you, yeah, you need to get to know each other and you need to get the right people on board. Um, But yeah, I think um, no founder can be successful um, on, on their own, right? They need a a solid team around them. And I think uh, if you can do it without investment, great. But I think there's only a few companies out there who have been super successful without external funding, right? So I think uh, there's uh, there's some outliers, but it's, it's really, really hard. So, yeah, I think um, you have to do your diligence. And ultimately, I would say... Um, yeah, just trust as well, uh, because if if you are distrustful towards also your um, your investors, I think an, a bit of natural uh, you know protectionism, if you will, is is normal. But um, if 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 that's what you're focused on, then maybe that's also what you're going to get. Right. So I think. Uh, um, if you treat your investors as your partners and as your uh, people who, yeah, who you can also share vulner- vulnerably about your, um, yeah, about what's really bothering you or what's really your biggest challenge um, and and they can help you then. And I think that's it's, yeah, like the market is really moving towards that more than it was in the past. So, um, yeah. There's, there's also these Slack groups or like these investor rating tools where, you know, basically asshole investors don't really get away with it anymore. Like they, they also know that they, uh, yeah, need to sort business. of, yeah, they just need how to- uh, n- no, I think uh, no, I think not. So I I, I know that um, there, yeah, there are still some really <laughs> sharks out there, uh, but I think yeah, they will also get the reputation of a shark, and then I think the good founders will swim. Around that, I <laughs> like the so ocean that. metaphors. I gotta, I'm trying to yes. stay afloat in the sea <laughs> yes. of ocean metaphors. <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: yeah. You know, it's a funny story. When I when I met my wife on our second date, I made her sign a legally binding document that if she didn't 10x my revenue in five years, she was gone. So that's hmm. how I approach all of my interpersonal relationships. Um, okay. The reason that we're together How's is purely that working financial. Out? <laughs> uh, she did just barely. She got it in on four years, 364 days she did it, but I was this close to cutting her out. Uh, You mentioned the word super successful. Is that something that you desire? Do you desire to be super successful with this company, or do you say, I just want X amount per year, that would be a success. If I could sustain myself, have a nice home, and all of that with it, that would be enough. Like, what is the ceiling if everything
0: goes swimmingly for you? Hmm. (laughs) I think successful is obviously uh, very subjective and maybe people will, some people will just express it in terms of like exit or uh, financial um, success. But um, I have defined for me what success looks like. And that is that uh, if I can help families around the world to create meaningful relationships with um, their loved ones, no matter where they are, uh, no matter how old they are, and no matter if they're even maybe dead or alive in the future, because I think, um, you know, technology can also enable to really capture memories of those who we left leave behind. um, Then I think that's, then I can sort of tap myself on the shoulder and say, okay, that's good. Because yeah, I think that's why I'm doing this, this. And I think uh, you know if I sell it with a with a big big exit, wow, great! But I think it also matters to me a lot, like what happens after that, right? So if someone would just swallow it and then kill it or something, I I would hate that. So that that's not success for me. So mm. um, we've sort of put our north star now as 80 million um, memories in by 2028. Mm. Uh, so, uh, helping people to build beautiful moments together. That's what we're about. And, um, yeah, not, not like an exit at that time, right? Like we don't even, don't even talk about
1: that. <laughs> so. And something like yeah. 4 million people helped. I think I read that at somewhere on your site.
0: Yes, correct. That That's also something that we, uh, yeah, but I think, um, If you help people, okay, now now it becomes very technical in terms of impact theory, but um, if you're helping people and you're helping people only once versus like many times, then, you know, you're not really taking into account the engagement um, and how often and how how deep they are affected by your product. So um, that's why we thought, okay, maybe it's not about the number of people, but by the number of moments that we create for those people.
1: Okay. Uh, I see what you're saying. So yeah. if one person can have 80 million memories, that's...
0: <laughs> yes.
1: That's victory right there.
0: <laughs> yeah, well. uh, that's like uh, also not not quite the direction that somewhere we're uh, in between. going on. Somewhere yeah, in between. somewhere yeah, Exactly. You get the
1: gist. Just- <laughs> I do. Uh, so you mentioned that, as is commonly said, that, of course, the decision to leave comfort, stability, 10 years of guaranteed income for an unknown huge variable, it's tougher than you thought. Stuff we've heard in books and literature for many, many people, but it's also more rewarding. Describe to me how it is harder and how it is more rewarding than you thought?
0: Hmm. So I think coming from a more financial world, if you will, uh, I've been trained as a professional to know stuff, right? You're sort of trained to do your analysis and you sort of know your shit and that's it. And, um, I think uh, as a founder, you're constantly sort of thrown in the deep. I can't. Sorry, these analogs. (laughs) And you just have to swim, right? And you're uh, you just constantly out of your comfort zone, and there's no way you can always know it. Um, So, um, what for me was one of the key challenges is really letting go of that expert mindset and really focusing on um, growing and learning, uh, because um, I think the fastest learner is ultimately the one that will be successful and be uh, that will survive also in this market, because um, yeah, there's just so many uh, factors at play, like things that are changing, new developments uh, that are constantly uh, passing by, and uh yeah, I think that sort of mindset shift was definitely a game changer for me.
1: So would you say that you had no anchor, but you also had a rudder?
0: <laughs> stop it all right i think we've sort of hit the okay, limit all right, in, this, hit the in limit. this podcast
1: we've hit the sea <laughs> wall i'm so good. you know what i i know that i can see the regret in your eyes and it makes me feel bad i i'm sorry okay i can't help it it's a disease it's a curse yeah but exactly so, okay on a day-to-day basis are you um do you feel that you're more excited to get out of bed and to do what you have to do
0: oh yeah that was the second part of your question i'm sorry i was thinking about that like there was a second part um let me think i'm naturally someone who loves um doing useful stuff so i I can't say that i woke up in the morning when i had my vc job and like oh had to cycle to work you know uh you know that that's not how i am in general but um feeling like a deeper sense of alignment with why I'm here on this planet. Yes, like I I can totally make my own mission and and make my own sort of future and my own job every day I, I go to work. And before I felt like uh, there's this sort of mold of a of a puppet that needs to fit in and uh, you need to fit into it. Uh, otherwise you do, you just don't, you're just not as successful as a VCR. And I, I just felt um, like I needed room to grow and um, yeah, just be my own person, I guess. So um, as a founder, you can totally grow in whatever direction you want to grow because you can, decide who you want to uh, who you want to be and who also if you're if you suck at something because you'll you'll find out that you'll suck at stuff you just hire someone to make sure that they they cover for you on the areas where you're not good at and Yeah. yeah so um it's really feeling like yeah um Yeah, like I'm very much aligned with why I'm here also on this planet, right? So I I do feel that purpose much more than I did before. I think as an investor, you can also make an impact if you're investing in, for example, super impactful companies. But in the end, your impact is indirect, right? You are basically cheering companies on. Uh, You're not part of, you don't have the boots on the ground and you're not actually executing. So you're just facilitating um and um yeah for me the process was just so slow as well to be honest like uh some of the bigger funds they take three to six months before a deal is done like come on th- th- we need to be <laughs> faster mm-hmm. so uh and as a founder i know that if i if i'm working on something uh, i can see results tomorrow or maybe today even in some cases so um yeah there's way faster feedback and as a yeah as an investor it takes like six months or sometimes even 12 months before a deal can be done or something that like something is happening so i think that's uh mm. yeah that was also a bit boring to be honest
1: it's slow moving with a lot of momentum like a vehicle that is on land like a train to start and stop we're gonna we're switching to train metaphors for the rest of <laughs> Lots of momentum. Okay, okay. so yeah, that makes perfect, because a lot of people want that direct impact. Now, we know, based on reading books, that a regret of the dying, which I think you're kind of referenced on their deathbed, people who made it to old age, they regret not having taken the chance on that thing. And I think you rightly said that it would be something that would eat away at you for decades or Uh forever and it wouldn't go away so we know that people clearly do make it to 80 or 90 years old and they have never done that and then they're filled with regret we know that a lot of humans do that Uh so after eight years what was it that made you finally take that leap to where you said no today is the day now is the time instead of 10 years later or never
0: had that question also before in the past and to me it was not like lightning struck or something um it had just been some burning desire like i said um that i just couldn't ignore any longer maybe it also had to do a bit with um like a biological clock like i was about 30 years old then, and I didn't have a like a mortgage or a house. I had had a rental house in in Amsterdam, and I thought, you know, if I want to be a founder, and uh, you know, maybe someday you also want to have kids. I don't know yet, but um, then, yeah, now's the time really for adventure. So yeah, that's also sort of like the deeper, I guess, clock inside of me that sort of said, okay, this is like if you you wanna birth a company, then now's the time because you know you you're not gonna have forever. so um, yeah, that's also something that happened. I think it's sometimes with a lot of life events on a private uh, in in someone's private life that they decide whether or not to become a founder. Um, so yeah, I think that might also. Be one of the yeah uh, reasons why there are much less uh, female founders, and if there are female founders, they don't get funded as much mm. um, as male founders. I don't know how often you are interviewing uh, women on your show. I think uh, as often yeah. as they'll say yes,
1: as often as they accept.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. As well, often as
1: they choose to be bombarded with a sea of
0: terrible jokes. <laughs> well i actually i love that joke so uh that's uh that's all good um but yeah i think uh you also sometimes see some older founders i've seen that a lot in my vc career as well who are they sort of have 10 more years in them before they retire and they're like what's going to be my last thing that i'm going to make big and then they're It's sort of like natural to their life stage that they think, okay, this is what I want to do. And then I just want to exit it and I just want to retire, right? So uh, interesting uh, that, you know, life events sort of flow as well with, uh, yeah, the decision to sort of make that leap and um, beat the often path. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well I think it's great. Um I really do. So congratulations for for taking the plunge. We need more people like you who have chosen to do that. Um that was another never mind. All right. But uh no, it's I think it's I think it's fabulous and I think that you recognized it correctly and I I think that the concept is good and I'm very excited that you joined me on this show. So you mentioned that if everything goes well you would perhaps consider an exit. Let's say that that happened. Let's say that you do get the exit. What do you think you might work on next? Would you still be involved in something to do with kids and families or do you have no idea what another project might be?
0: <laughs> I, um, I I did get that question. Like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? Like, yeah. honestly, I don't have any mind space to yeah, think like, about I'm that because, because I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm so, too absorbed with my own company that makes sense. now. That makes sense. Uh, but, if I ever retire, and uh, maybe you mentioned your parents are in Spain or your parents-in-law in Spain, yeah. uh, you know, and you really have to do something with your life, uh, I think uh, you know, like setting up a nonprofit is is something that I would maybe uh, love love to do, um, or. Become a relationship therapist, oh, which is also, okay. which is also something you know uh, that I do now. But for a long distance relationships with with young okay. children, which is completely different, right? So um, right. something like that—it sort of interests me.
1: Because you'll get a lot of insight and information and scientific study on what makes a long distance relationship meaningful, right?
0: Exactly. And that seems
1: to be where you're headed, which is. Truly fascinating. And again, I you know, we talked about a minimum viable product, but I I think that to me, one of the most exciting parts of what I see is that you can incorporate, first of all, that it's kid friendly because Zoom and all these other platforms are made for adults. Obviously, you don't want your kid. But I think the idea of taking stuff that's more than that and again building in science and building in research into what's going to make the biggest impact on these types of relationships, that is profoundly interesting. I agreed <laughs> So, and and through that process you're going to learn a lot i think as people give you their feedback you know by the time the 80 millionth memory is shared you'll have some insights into what's working what's not i'd like to think
0: definitely definitely yeah. so um yeah uh totally agree
1: nice Well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on this show. Um, Thank you very much for taking the time. I would like to give the final words to you here to sort of close us out. Uh, Either parting words of wisdom, thoughts in this moment in time, or just shameless self-promotion. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I think What I would like to send out as a message is that uh, you matter and you matter more than you know and those small moments that you can sort of give to other people in their life also matter Um, because I think ultimately life is just a sum of really good moments and uh, some, some are bad obviously but a good life is a sum of good moments and Um, if we are just a bit more conscious about that in our daily lives, then I think that's really going to make a big difference. And especially, um, yeah, making that bridge to remote relationships, I think, uh, just because you are far away from someone doesn't mean you cannot be present in their lives and give them those beautiful moments, uh, of joy. So, uh. I encourage everyone to maybe take a moment in your day to to send someone you love a message, uh, even if they're far away. And if that person happens to be a child, then use the Peekabond app for that. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, right. Yeah, we facilitate those connections through asynchronous video messaging and science-based content suggestions. And the app uh, is free. It's been downloaded in 70 countries. Um, and we have a lot of people that we're making very happy with that. So love for you to join our journey in that.
1: And the website is? Peekabond.com. Uh,
0: Peekabond.com. Yeah, with double E.
1: So dot dcom Peekabond.
0: Yes. I love thank it. You.
1: Well, thank you, Anika. It's been an absolute pleasure. I wish you nothing but incredible success on getting to the 80 millionth memory. And I also wish that you take up surfing one of these days, since you're right there, um, yeah. uh, in beautiful Portugal, where it is not raining all the time. But again, thanks, <laughs> to him. thanks great, lovely ch- chatting time.
0: with you, Russ, and pleasure. Uh, stay me. playful.
1: Oh, that's a now that's a good parting word. I like it. And with that, the official podcast is over. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Beat the Off and Path podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of the episodes we've shared, it would mean a great deal to me if you subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice or on YouTube. And of course, if you shared either the show itself or this particular episode with somebody who might wanna hear it to help us grow the audience for the show, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. So if you've been a passive listener all this time, I get it, I understand, there's no big deal with that. But it would really, really mean a lot to me if you'd leave a positive review and help me grow this show. So thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.